This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Cardiology and Heart Surgery Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Clyde Yancey, Chief of Cardiology in the Department of Medicine at Northwestern Medicine and Vice Dean for Diversity and Inclusion. Dr. Yancey, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Before we dive into the questions, could you tell us a little bit more about your background? Absolutely. I am a Chief of Cardiology here at Northwestern University Farnbrook School of Medicine, as you already mentioned. I'm originally from the Deep South, um, spent the first 20 years of my life in Louisiana, um, growing up in Baton Rouge, and then receiving my medical education at Tulane University School of Medicine. And from there, I went on to Texas, where I stayed for quite a number of years for my internship and residency at uh, Parkland Memorial Hospital, then UT Southwestern Medical Center, and stayed on to do cardiology training and assumed a faculty position at the UT Southwestern Medical Center as well. Stayed um, on as a faculty member for 17 years and then spent another four and a half years at Baylor University Medical Center in Dallas. And through that timeline, uh, progressed through the ranks of academic medicine and ultimately ended up serving as a director of um, heart transplant programs at both UT Southwestern and Baylor. Um, held two endowed chairs, full professor, and was director of the Baylor Cardiovascular Institute. And then I had the good fortune of being recruited from Texas to come to Chicago. And I've spent uh, now 11 years as chief of cardiology here, and I've enjoyed uh, so much of this. It's been a great run. Absolutely. That's so interesting. So what was it like moving from the South up to Chicago? You know, I think that um, all of us as professionals reach a moment of transition where you've been doing something for a number of years, a few decades even, and there's a restlessness to want to do something else. In fact, one of the characteristics of most leaders is an intrinsic restlessness. What's the next thing? What's the next objective? What's the next opportunity? For quite some time, my career started to evolve towards more of a leadership perspective. I actually spent some time studying principles of leadership and, in fact, have a master's degree in medical management from the University of Texas specifically to acquire those kinds of leadership skills as a function of a curriculum. That really made me quite uh, curious about bringing my experiential training as a leader along with my more structured training as a leader to a head and uh, seeking an opportunity that gave me the platform to lead in a way that I thought was reasonable and hopefully would be effective. And that opportunity emerged here at Northwestern. And so I think that as one evolves professionally, there are these phases, there are periods, and we go from one period to the next. And if we're able to do something which is fairly trite, but I think fairly necessary, reinvent our professional profile every seven to 10 years. I think it keeps us not only engaged, but it keeps our thought processes fresh and allows us to continue to have an impact. I got into medicine in the beginning because I wanted to make a difference in the lives of others. And about every 10 years, I've found a different way to make that difference, first as a clinician, then as an investigator, spending some time in regulatory medicine, NIH, FDA, spending quite a bit of time in education, and now spending really significant time in leadership. That's been a really wonderful journey to be on. Um, There's some bumps and bruises you experience along the way, but ultimately that's the short version of this reinvention. Every seven to 10 years has been for the good. That's fantastic to hear. And thank you so much for going through that with us. Really inspiring stuff. Now, thinking about your role uh, as chief of cardiology, what are the top three biggest issues in cardiology today? 
You know, this is a brilliant question, and I raised a similar question with a Nobel laureate earlier this week, thinking about what are the top issues in medicine, and I fully align with the advice that was given, and I will apply that to cardiology. Keep science at the center. It is so easy today to get distracted by the clinical operations, by the relative value unit generation that all of us have to respect, by the electronic health record that many of us, me included, find onerous, by all of the statutory requirements to be a faculty member in good standing or to be an educator or program leader, all of the hospital requirements to maintain our status in good standing. Yes, those things are necessary and they are valuable. I don't mean to dismiss that at all. But what's core, what has made us distinguished as cardiovascular specialists has been the embrace of science. We are an evidence-based specialty for a reason because we have done such a great job, a brilliant job of bringing forth new evidence that allows us to inform practice better. So I think that top of mind is the number one issue. Keep science at the center. But I'll go beyond that. And I'll say the second most important thing is that as we curate this science and inform new clinical practice guidelines and inform new hypotheses to support further exploration, we must understand better how best to implement the science. This new branch of discovery known as implementation science must come online and come online quickly. There's still too much space between what we know and what we actually do. We're in this business to change the health span of individuals, to change the health and disease status of individuals, meaning that we have to deploy the science that we learn. And so we have to understand what are the best ways to do that, particularly in a contemporary environment with a lot of reliance on digital platforms and with an increasingly diverse patient population. Then the third thing I would say, in addition to this investment in science and the necessity to better understand implementation science, the third piece is that we can no longer overlook the importance of introducing the equity lens in everything we do. The populations we serve are so much more diverse. The sensitivities we have about health equity are so much more acute. This must be incorporated into our mainstream so that we're thinking about science, yes, implementation, yes, but also equity. If we can put those three things as our major issues in cardiovascular medicine as we go forward, I think we'll be good. Absolutely. I think you're spot on. It's so interesting to hear those insights and how they apply to cardiology in particular. Now, given that, how do you see heart care evolving in the next 18 months or so? You know, it's a brilliant question because there's so many ways that heart care may be evolving. So many have talked about team science and team disease management, heart care teams, et cetera. But let's think about in a broader stroke, what are the different things that are really important? I think in addition to team science, we really have to understand this intersectionality of team science, team management, and information technologies. If we are to be more efficient as we have a more limited workforce and a larger demand for our services, we have to use tools that make us more efficient. So yes, the team approach is brilliant. The shared decision-making conversations are absolutely necessary, but they are consumptive of human resources and mostly they're consumptive of time. So we must understand how we can bring digital platforms to create efficiencies so that these proven to be effective approaches in providing better heart care are deployable. 
We can't do things that will only make us work harder, faster, and run the risk of burnout. We must figure out how to be more efficient. The next direction I see heart care evolving over the next one to two years is the benefit of precision. We have been dabbling, exploring, and now developing really refined algorithms, some of which rely on biomarkers, some of which rely on genomics. We need to get to the next level and really bring conversations about precision medicine into mainstream heart care. We should no longer phenotype patients according to just age, our comorbidities, our race, or ethnicity. We should understand precisely what are the characteristics of each individual patient and how do those characteristics inform the natural history, and more importantly, how do they inform best practices with regards to therapy. That, I think, is incredibly important. Heart care as well needs to evolve in a way that we are sensitive about value. We've not really had that challenge before because we've been so eager to find those strategies proven to be effective from randomized controlled trials that we deploy right away. But now that we have multiple drugs that are effective for multiple circumstances, multiple devices, we need to begin to understand where is the highest value. These are three things I'm articulating that are a shift, a shift forward from where we've been that is a stronger embrace of information technologies to create efficiencies, economies of scale, if you will, a decided investment in precision medicine, finally, to better phenotype patients and a better understanding of value. So we're doing those things that provide the best gain for the patient at the most reasonable cost. Absolutely. I, I think that's so spot on and really interesting to think about that dynamic between getting the best care possible, but also having the value for that care and understanding, you know, what makes the most sense to drive the cost down in the healthcare system. Now, what are you most excited about today and what makes you nervous? <laughs> what I'm most excited about today is that we have a vaccine. <laughs> be very candid about that. But in a more serious way, what I'm most excited about today is the unlimited power of science to answer important questions and unleash new discoveries. COVID-19 and the evolution of those vaccines really demonstrates a brilliant application of science to a contemporary, onerous, disturbing, disheartening even medical challenge now nearly solved through science. That's remarkable to be able to talk about this. And if I think about the broad brushstroke of cardiovascular medicine, virtually everything we do that has fundamentally changed the life and living circumstances of our patients is an outcome of science. And so I'm really excited about this still unlimited potential of science to help us be better at what we do. If you think about what makes me nervous, can we keep up? Can we evolve our science quickly enough so that we're on the leading edge of diseases? Can we deploy our science well enough so that we take advantage of lessons learned? So I'm nervous that we won't be able to keep up. I'm nervous that we won't be able to deploy the things we're learning about prevention. We need to deploy that much more rapidly than we have in the past. But science is it. That's the excitement in my mind. Got it. That's great to hear. Um, as we wrap up our conversation, I was wondering, could you share three pieces of advice for physician leaders today? I love this question because I think this is spot on. Emerging physician leaders have always heard about the triple threat. You've got to be good in science. 
You need to be good at the bedside or the chair side, taking care of patients. And you need to be good as a teacher. But I think there is a quadruple threat now that's necessary. You must be adroit, nimble, facile with equity because it's not going away. And whether it's a function of sex or gender, race or ethnicity, disability, LGBTQ status, today's leader must be comfortable, adroit, and facile with these issues of equity. I've put in writing, and I've shared with many audiences, that equity is the new mark of professionalism. And physician leaders, without question, embrace professionalism. But whereas the things that we held at the highest bar for professionalism before, like scholarship, like character, are still extant, that is, they're still relevant, now we need to add to that list equity. We must be very skilled in understanding and deploying equity. The second thing that I think is important for the emerging physician leader to embrace is a willingness to think unconventionally. We cannot anticipate that given the complexity of today's problems, that a traditional approach will work well. Be willing to think unconventionally and be willing to risk failure. It's only in failing that we realize success. Those that are successful have failed often, sometimes have failed ethically, but in so doing, they've experienced success. So be willing to fail, fail hard if necessary, regroup and realize that that's the pathway towards success. And the third issue, which I think is incredibly important, is that the world in which we live, particularly as we think about those we lead, our physician peers, that world no longer accommodates the messages of delayed gratification and so much self-sacrifice. The world's become a very different place. We need to become champions of wholeness, of wellness, and recognize that ultimately, by managing the wellness of our teams, we actually increase the productivity of our teams. Be willing to evolve from the ethos that we had once before, where it was all about self-sacrifice and delayed gratification, to embracing a new dynamic where we celebrate our humanness, where we support our humanness, and we're champions of wellness. Yes, you've heard me talk about science on this podcast and how important discovery is and how important precision is, but you're also hearing me shift to how important equity is And now you're hearing me shift yet again to how important it is that we hold up and celebrate the humanness of those with whom we work. I think all of these concepts across the board really will help the emerging physician leader execute brilliantly in the world to come. Dr. Yancey, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. This has been a really fascinating discussion, and I hope we're able to connect again soon. Thank you, Laura.